A nudnik, a real bum. The bad clowns freak him out. This is the... Theme song of the podcast of the movie of the uncle of the nephew who's a dreamer and he cannot keep a job. We watch the... Movie by the minute and we talk about what's in it but we want it to be different so we added two more seconds. It's UHF 62. Uh, 62nd, UHF 62nd. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to UHF 62nd, episode 19, Ultra Minute 19. This is the podcast where myself, David, and my co-host, Jonathan, talk about UHF 62 seconds at a time. This minute starts with uh, RJ realizing um, that it must have been the janitor, and it ends with Stanley denying any wrongdoing at all, or attempting to do so anyways. So therein lies uh, what we're uh, here to discuss today in today's episode. So I have my Canadian dry now opened, and I'm ready to talk about RJ and uh, Stanley. Starting off this minute, right like right away, RJ's light bulb moment. We get that the audio, the diamond sparkle sound effect. Uh-huh. Do you recognize that from anything other than the very beginning of the Pink Panther song? Uh, no, I didn't. I wouldn't have even been able to uh, come up with that until you mentioned that. But yeah, I would. That definitely does seem like uh, Henry Mancini, Pink Panther. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Is that actually lifted from that? You're saying, or that you're just saying it's very similar? It, well, I, if you, you know, going on YouTube and, and searching through the internet, uh, it's it's hard to tell if something's been transposed or, you know, key changes and stuff like that. But it sounds it sounds just like it, just in a different key. But that could do, I mean, this is a weird out. It could be just the magic of someone on his band. They're such great copycats. They just thought, hey, that'd be great. Once I started paying attention to the audio, then they, you know, it, it's like I hear the song playing in the background as he's, RJ's running through his whole uh, uh, scheme of logic. <laughs> Uh, it also could have been, I don't want to um, cut to Mr. John Dupree short, or Duprez, Dupree? Dupree, we decided it was. Or, well, I, well I, I shouldn't be deciding <laughs> we, what the guy's name decided. is. But <laughs> <laughs> we discovered Dupree? It is not Duprez. So, yes, Dupree, yeah. Dupree, right. it's one of those two, but it's not Duprez. Okay. Um, quickly, before we get too much further into this too, I don't think I commented on RJ's tie, uh, in the last episode, but I, I like his tie, but the pocket square is a little off putting with the tie. It doesn't quite work out for me because it's a different color or because it's a no pattern. It's a, it's not a matching pattern or no, I don't think it needs to be a matching pattern, but the color doesn't seem to match really. No. And that kind of bothers me a little bit. But overall, I like the suit. And he has the uh, tie pin. Have you ever done the uh, worn the tie pin? I've worn little clips that keep the tie itself together. You know, because you got the little piece in the back. Uh, yeah, like uh, you're talking about, like kind of like mid chest level. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I have I have a tie clip too that you know if it's windy or things like that, you know, it keeps it from blowing all over the place but i've never done the tie pin is it just to keep the tips down the, the collar tips i think the his lapels have buttons it's to keep the knot from shifting over from one side to the other i believe which seems pretty ridiculous yeah so i've, I've never had one of those because uh, i don't really understand what they do i don't mind wearing a tie but it is typically a little bit tight 
So if I have something in there just to clasp it even tighter, I, I wouldn't like that. You just, you know, that's like the classic quintessential when you're done with something, you stick your finger in there and you kind of wrench the tie to one side and loosen that knot a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like doing that. That's like the best part of wearing a tie to me is like kind of when you're done delivering your speech or done doing whatever the thing is that you're doing, you know, you kind of like wrench that tie off to the side. And if you had one of those tie pins, I would think uh, you wouldn't really be able to do that. Or if uh, someone yells your name in an accusatory manner and you just pull it aside and go, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, either of those things, it would uh, prevent. I think the boys, though, also have tie pens. Not that I want this whole episode to be about type. Oh, no, no, never mind. Just just his son, just uh, Junior has a tie pen following in his father's footsteps. You know what else Junior has? A pocket square. Well, yes, a pocket square, but his pocket square at least matches his shirt. Yes. Brony number two, he has a pocket square that seems to be matching RJ's. RJ's, RJ's. yeah. <laughs> but does not uh, match anything else in his. So maybe maybe that color is... Is that like a Channel 8 color? Uh, it could be, but I don't think that we see really any Channel 8 colors or flag or really even a logo. I think the logo that we do see is kind of in like gold or or chrome or something like that um, on the building. Actually, this this color, this maroon color, uh, it's making me think that it's it's really just the popular color, that it's like the color of all the interiors of the nice cars back then, 1989. <laughs> yeah, the deep, yeah. And the henchman, who we haven't really gotten to yet, um, he has a pocket square but no tie. So we're kind of all over the place, actually, as far as the men accessorizing in this scene. And in this movie, I guess, for that matter. There's a shot where the uh, henchmen, you know, we got to keep the cronies and the henchmen separate. They are two different Oh, yeah, people. absolutely. I uh, should play the Offspring song right now. I'm not aware of that. Keep them separated? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Weird Al does a parody of that song, doesn't he? I believe so. I couldn't say what it is, though. We're not really that big of fans of Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> He's just mildly awkward Al to us. Yeah. I think there's a shot of the henchman like around second 10. I can't say that he is wearing a tie, but it, it seems like he's wearing something that is maybe it's like a, a short. Oh, really? There's something going on there. I can't, I'm not saying it's a tie, but I'm not saying it's not a tie. I don't know if we can see it anywhere else in the minute. Yeah. What is that? That's not a tie. Ladies and gentlemen, there's there's something happening here, and we will get to the bottom of it. Maybe not in this minute, but uh, we'll we'll let you know what's happening with all the uh, male accoutrement. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else in particular before you know we get our big uh, entrance here? Uh, the only thing I noticed is that when RJ he has his light bulb moment, it must be the janitor, and as he starts walk you know walking around the room to go through his. Uh, his logic and he's waiting for the janitor to come in Mm -hmm. as he moves away from his desk and towards the guys the camera takes a shot directly at the junior and his cronies and they Mm -hmm. are all specifically looking away from rj senior uh yeah they are all um attentive but uh, trying to not make eye contact yeah you're right yeah it it looks specific it doesn't look like it's not a a blooper or a goof or anything like that it looks like they are they are all actively like i am not looking at him (laughs) If I can't see him, he can't see me. He won't call on me. So we have a, a dad and a son thing there. These cronies, do you think Do you think they're just business cronies? Or do you think that they've been friends for a long time? Like, if you've ever been to a friend's house when you're younger and, you know, their dad or their mom 
is, uh, you know, going crazy and yelling into everybody and it's super awkward. Do you think that that's just bringing it back for these cronies? Like, oh, oh, here, here he goes again, going in one of his tirades about the uh, pus brains. I don't know. I So the crony in the white or uh, beige jacket, he looks like he could be uh, Junior's friend or Junior's age, which would make him Junior's crony. That was Mr- uh, just, a, just a reminder from last minute that that was Tulsa native Barry Friedman. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the other crony is older but not he doesn't seem old enough to be somebody that like rj went to high school with and has been bullying his entire life you know (laughs) what i mean which i i kind of wish that they were you know somebody that rj met like early on in life and has just been like making him do his his bidding like for 40 plus years or whatever but i don't think that's the case i don't know who i don't i don't feel like this guy is family even like um extended family i don't get that feeling so what did the, uh, I don't really care what they do. They're his, they're his cronies. And I don't know that we really see too much interaction with them throughout the movie. Yeah. I think the, at, at some point the henchmen kind of take over and we're not too worried about the cronies anymore. I don't think, I think the cronies number one thing is disseminating, um, whatever RJ says. I don't think RJ likes to leave his office. So I think, uh, they report into him what's happening. RJ makes decisions, tells them they go have to go out and, you know, deliver the, um, decisions to everybody else. I, that's probably their sole function. I mean, I don't know. Junior probably maybe has some title, ostensibly has a quote-unquote job. but I think Assistant to the regional manager. Yeah, assistant to the regional manager. But the other two guys, I think, are just yes-men probably. I mean, Junior more or less is as well. But Well, he goes, no, Junior, we know that Junior is a, a, a reporter. Yes. He's he's talent. He's on camera talent, which uh, I guess that's spoilers for later. <laughs> I wonder. We can discuss it more at that time. But I wonder if he actually is a reporter, or if that's just something that he wanted to do that day, and so he's doing. It. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. That every whenever he comes into work, he, he just is like he has like a a wheel with like the pie pieces and an arrow that spins. <laughs> <laughs> if he spins to something he doesn't want to do that day, then that's what the cronies get to do. Yep. I like that one other thing, I guess, before we get to Michael Richards, I like that he has like a large hour sand glass on his uh, desk, uh, RJ, that is. Oh, this is this was before digital, before digital sand glasses anyway. <laughs> How does a digital sand glass work? Is it like one byte of information goes through the opening until you get to a gigabyte or something like that? Maybe. And as a technology advances, time speeds up. I, like, I just had this vision. This isn't what I was going to say, but I just had this vision of RJ being like a total D&D nerd. And he's like making the cronies and his son, like, you know, he's like the dungeon master. And he's making all these guys <laughs> do like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And he's like giving them like impossible Kobayashi Maru scenarios. And like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you got like 10 goblins coming at you. What are you going to do? And they're like, uh, uh, and he like flips that hourglass and. And uh, makes them hurry up and make a decision. And then he kills <laughs> off all their characters every single time they play. But Deb! <laughs> That's a ridiculous scenario. I don't know why that occurred to me. I want to watch that movie. <laughs> he must be wearing a hood. Some kind of hooded cloak as he's DMing. Yeah, I I hope so. Uh, do we have any comments on Irresponsible Puss Brains and his whole commentary? <laughs> Irresponsible pus brains and that kind of thing. It, it's it seems very George Lucasy kind of. 
like yes, a Star sure. Wars insult, you know? Yeah, Moof Milker. Yeah. I, I do like his insults and in he's he's got some other ones. I don't think he ever really repeats himself. There there's they are similar. Like pus brain kind of sounds like some other things he says later on. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. The viscosity of the liquid um mm. is similar, I feel like. I did do a little bit of research just because he's talking about the janitor. I assume I assume he must know the janitor. Uh, they they seem to have or at least they have reactions to each other. I don't know that they know each other personally. So irresponsible pus brains. I was just curious if that if that rung true at all. Uh, you know, if you Google pus brain, which is you know not a very nice way of saying it at all, but uh, like brain abscess seems to be the first thing that that pops up in <laughs> any kind of a liking to pus brain. I kind of went through the the basic symptoms of a brain abscess, and Stanley Spadowski doesn't really. Uh, fit too much of that you know that's more serious stuff but he does there's one symptom that was increased confusion i thought well maybe he's got a little something there so that is this interesting like he's maintenance he's got a mop so i think he is doing some janitorial stuff but he's the he's the only guy in this whole building well i would think so obviously rj is aware that they have janitorial staff but he he may be the only one uh because I, I would think that we would assume that this is in the morning or midday at the latest. And, and he specifically says, you know, I think it's in the next minute, you know, when you were cleaning here last night, you threw it out. So he knows that uh, he works at night, but he knows that he's there during the day. So um, he's working around the clock. So I, I think he might be the only person. I don't I don't know that, uh, you know, when we learn about his character later on this movie, I don't know that Stanley would really do well working with i mean he works well with others in in the uh at the uhs station but i don't know that he would specifically work well with other people doing the same thing that he's doing you know what i mean like he seems like a team player but not like somebody that would uh work like in a squad of janitors well i don't think that that would work out too well. i don't see that working out very well no sure the first other janitor that comes along in doesn't get down on the floor with his toothbrush. You know, he's going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You yeah. got you to get down there. For sure. Does it bother you that we do not learn RJ's secretary's name? He just shouts into the box and then things happen. Uh, no. I, I do like that in these shots of the office, that out the window and when the door opens, we see, we just see people in the background and they're actually, you know, kind of going back and forth and doing things. I think on a, a cheaper budget that they could have maybe just had one person or, you know, they didn't have to have anybody there. No, but the, this is realism. This is like cinema verite or business. They call it in the in the movie. Uh, I don't know if you know that listeners out there, but uh, you know when you're extreme background like that, they'll give you a piece of business. They call it. You know, they'll give you like you you walk over here, you grab this file off that desk and go over there, and that's called uh, giving extras a piece of business. They're not giving you business; they're giving you a piece of business. If you ever find yourself as deep background on a on a set, you'll know the lingo. All right, so Michael Richards, he's in. <laughs> yeah, indeed. He's, there was a, interestingly, I know we'll have a lot of time to talk about Michael Richards coming up, but just real quick, uh, some things that I had seen him in. Obviously, Kramer from Seinfeld. Uh, sure. But also, he was in uh, lesser known movies like Problem Child, Airheads. He also starred in not starred. But he also featured in one episode of Mad About You as Kramer. Oh, really? Did you know that Mad About You was in the same universe as Seinfeld? N- no. I know that now. 
and I don't think that's made any difference in my life. I saw him obviously a lot in Seinfeld, and the only other thing that I really remember him from was um, this movie Trial and Error that he did, uh, and I don't really remember the movie at all. I just I remember that uh, Jeff Daniels is. In it. I remember that I sought it out specifically because I like Stanley uh, Spadowski, and I wanted to see what else. Yeah, I just saw him on the cover of the box or whatever, and so rented it because it was Stanley Spadowski in another movie. Kramer is certainly a beloved character, but as far as Stanley goes, because you were just mentioning about seeking out other things, have you ever been Stanley satisfied with any other project or Stanisfied? This, if well, Stanisfied. I the only other thing I you know I was a little Stanisfied with the. Stannis Baratheon in uh, Game of Thrones, but that's the only other time I think I've ever been Stannisfied, and I'm not sure that that's what you meant by that. <laughs> I don't think uh, so. Okay. I'd have to say that uh, I have not ever been Stannisfied. Uh, well, both in 1989, probably as a promo for UHF, Michael Richards and Weird Al were real quick in uh, Camp MTV. I guess it was a, a TV show that MTV had going, or a TV feature I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but they were both in it. But the curious thing is that Michael Richards was uh, playing as Stanley Spadowski and Weird Al is credited as himself. So Weird Al is not credited as George. He's credited as Weird Al and Michael as Stanley. Well, it's probably a combination of laziness on MTV's part. And also, you know, I think that George and Weird Al are fairly interchangeable to me, you know. Sure. But uh, so... Michael Richards, fake teeth. He that was his idea with the fake teeth, from what I recall. Hmm. I also read that he uh, misplaced them or forgot them one one day while they were shooting and, and fell to pieces because he didn't have the, the fake teeth. And you know he wasn't it wasn't really he wasn't even delivering a lot of lines. He was just like in the scene without the teeth, and he kind of fell apart <laughs> without the fake teeth. It affected him greatly, I guess. That's one thing that I do gather about Michael Richards is. Uh that he took his role seriously and maybe a little too seriously. It was a little, a little tightly wound mm -hmm. in this minute. We do get, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? Nope. Oh. <laughs> I am here to not talk. Oh, weird. <laughs> uh, in this minute, we do get the introduction of the saying the word stapler, which I, I think of more famously from the 1999 office space. But then I, I realized that 10 years earlier, Stanley Spadowski was already pronouncing the word stapler in very much the similar manner. A very pointed way of saying it, I guess. You're talking about that stapler? That stapler. That stapler. Yeah, right off the bat. Like, immediately, there are some kind of quintessential, the, you're, because you're lonely, that <laughs> line. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you're lonely when there's four other people in the room already. <laughs> well, but they're, uh, you know, those those people are completely vapid uh, sycophants so you know they're not real people stanley isn't dumb he's you know emotionally aware he knows that this room is empty yeah uh-huh that's right it has always um even before doing this podcast and in fact i actually didn't think about it in preparing for this minute which is kind of strange because i would say like over my lifetime i have actually spent like legitimately, if I add up all the times over my years since I've seen this movie the first time, I've probably spent like three solid hours pondering the choice of why pick the stapler of all the items on the desk 
<laughs> why pick the stapler as the item that's not there? Or why even pick a item that is there? Like it's so it's mind boggling. I mean, I know it's like a throwaway little gag or whatever, but I come back to it often and try and figure out for like in universe as Stanley Swadowski how that's possibly an answer. <laughs> Now, two things. As far as the movie goes, do you actually see a stapler on that table? Yeah. On the desk? Okay. Don't you? That was a a throwaway question. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's missing. But um, (laughs) No, there's definitely a stapler. If you pause it, I'm paused at 37 seconds. You can see it. At least one of us is doing our homework. Um, (laughs) But the other thing, like, no, just like that. It it could be a a super throwaway line if it was something else, but the fact that he says something that that does exist and is sitting right there and he points at it, like that... he points right at it. (laughs) Like, that was... I would say that that was actually, like, that joke itself was, like, a developmental for me as far as my sense of humor. Because it's not just something you don't expect. It's something... He's pointing at it. He's at, you know he's being asked about something that doesn't exist there, and he's pointing at the thing that does exist. And he's like, "Is it that thing?" Going back, the setup for it is amazing, though, and it's something that we all do. You know, probably you've done it with your kids if they've ever misplaced something when they were younger or or whatnot. You know, but the the line that RJ sets him up for failure, he says, "Do you see anything missing from this desk?" And that's like a you know that's in that's a so, I'm sure I've said that, uh, maybe not specifically from this desk, but you know, do you see anything missing? Is something that I'm sure we've all said before, and that doesn't make any sense. That question is is illogical to ask. Assuming that the person has seen the desk at a different state when the thing you're asking about was present. That's yeah, that's the assumption. But when you make uh, that, you make an ass out of you an option when when you do that. Uh, my wife and I say that that makes assumi that too. Which is a wonderful uh, Korean dish. Uh, sorry, edit that out. That's a wonderful French dish. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, he's kind of setting him up, unbeknownst to you know, kind of. Um, I'm sure, uh, not intentionally, but he's kind of his question sets uh, Stanley up for failure. But I, I love the amount of uh, fervor, or not fervor exactly, um, but the um, just uh, like Stanley's into it. Like he's, you know, he's trying to figure, help him figure this thing out. Like he's almost getting into like a three point stance. Like a, you know, he's kind of like, you know, he's ready to do an athletic move. He's, he's poised when he's rejected, or when he's like, no, that's not it. And then just his. He definitely responds like he's playing some kind of game show, and he's just like, "Oh, I missed it." You know, yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. We don't get too many reactions from the other guys in the room during all this. Not that we need to see it. I, in this minute, um, I don't think it cuts away to them at all. Actually, you kind of wonder, like the guys that are sitting, because the, the cronies and RJ Junior are for some of that time anyway. They're almost physically like between the two. So that's kind of an awkward position, and uh, but so then we get the the accusation from uh, RJ and Stanley doesn't like that. He immediately his whole demeanor changes. It's very important. Very yeah, important file. Yeah. Two months. Two months of intensive research. What do you? Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. We we have no idea how many. Oh wait, does he deliver that line in this minute? Yeah. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Professionalism. Uh, he, he throws that in Stanley's face. It's like two months of intensive research. Who do you think was doing that research? research. Because research. it's got to be research, right? 
It's got to be somebody in the room because that's what they were having the meeting about. So who's doing that research? It's not. It's not uh, research now. So you're saying research? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> research. Research. Um, yeah. So yeah. What do you, so you want to speculate on on uh, who has done the research? Yeah. Uh, whose name is on the cover page? Oh, R.J. Fletcher. No, it doesn't matter who's done the work. <laughs> Obviously, it's got his name on it. And so the, the going back to uh, crony number two, whose name was uh, Kevin Roden, Mister Mustache. Uh, mm-hmm. You think he? You think he does all the papers? That guy probably actually does work. I, f- I feel like crony number one uh, in the off-white jacket. I don't think that that guy does any work. He's probably the beer opener. That kind. Of, <laughs> that kind of work. Yeah. He does party prep. Indeed. So we have cronies and henchmen. That's right. Yes. So the henchman, obviously, he's not doing any work. I'm not sure what they're doing. And well, he's doing work. I mean, he's you know he's on guard. He's he's not doing any research. But uh, you know, is he is he the bodyguard of like this room? Like this meeting is so important. Like the secretary can't hold people back. They gotta have the. <laughs> I like the idea that he's the bodyguard of the room. Like if somebody were to come in and attack RJ, he's like, "Well, that's okay." But if somebody were to like come in and pick up a chair to hit RJ with, he's like, "Oh, that belongs to the room. I'm here to protect the room, sir. You can't use that chair." When uh, Stanley like pointed at the stapler, he got a little nervous. Yeah, like, he started twitching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which you put that together, um, you know, the the stapler and the henchmen are gonna their worlds are gonna collide <gasps> later on. I never right. really thought about that. Yeah. Oh, this is uh foreshadowing. This is uh foreshadowing? Uh the the trope, the Chekhov's Oh Chekhov's Chekhov Stapler. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. This is Chekhov's Stapler. I used to play bass for Chekhov's Stapler. Did you do it in a triangular corner bathroom? Because I also noticed that we've got a Little door off the side of his office. You think that's a bathroom? I think so. It could be a storage room, but big important guy. He's got to have his own bathroom. Why do you think it's triangular? That's a weird assumption. The bathroom doesn't have to be triangular, but I, I, it could be if it just finished out that room. Just, <laughs> oh just big God. enough. Just big enough for a mirror and a commode. Plus, he's got he's got to have it for the power play. So, like, you know, when when somebody's coming into his room and he's really got to assert his power, like the door's cracked a little bit as he's. Doing his business. Wow. So a couple things. that That's very off-putting to me, the idea of a triangular bathroom, especially if you put the toilet kind of at the apex of the triangle and not like at a 90 degree to a wall. Uh, that really bothers me. But the other thing that that reminds me of is one of the places that I used to work, my boss had a, a large, uh, a lavishly appointed office and a bathroom off of his office just for himself, which actually had like a, a shower in it. Wow. Um, yeah. And my friend Chuck and I always wanted to, uh, you know, we always joked about like rage quitting, like walking out in a rage. And we always, you know, that was our plan. If we ever got mad enough to the point where we were just going to walk out, our plan was to go in there and uh, take a deuce in the shower in his bathroom in his office and then walk out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Never came to pass, uh, so to speak. Uh, speaking of such things. Uh, it wasn't a rage quit. It was kind of the opposite. I do know of somebody on a... Like taking a job because you're so angry? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I want this job. Uh, we're not really offering. No. I'm working here now. No, it was uh, a guy got caught doing the uh, classic upper decker. 
And oh, you 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 heard about this, or you actually know somebody? You're saying? I don't remember who it was. It I believe it was like a construction site related thing. So oh, okay, uh, okay. I, at the at the time, I probably could have pointed to the guy, but I don't remember who it was. But <laughs> but it was a real thing that happened, and I heard about it. And and uh, he so he did the upper decker and uh, not that it was caught on tape because it's in the bathroom, but it was, was one of those things where everybody knew who it was <laughs> and and he was fired. He was he was rage fired. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I'm I'm ready to talk more about janitors and and um, report research rapports. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in another minute, unless there's anything that you have uh, specific to minute 19. I do not have anything else that is specific to minute 19. All right. Well, um, we would like to have our listeners tweet about uh, rage quitting, what your secret plan was for rage quitting. Uh, put that in a Twitter comment and tweet that to us at UHF62ND on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do we want to have anybody buy a t-shirt at our tea public store? Ah, yes. Although I don't know how to direct them to that on this podcast. Uh, if they go to, if listeners, dear listeners, if you go to UHF62ND.com, I believe that there would be a link there to buy a t-shirt. Cause I, I regret to inform everybody that doesn't already know tea public is a great site and we can, do whatever we want on there, but their search. We can do upper deckers. Oh, we could make a t-shirt of that and or stick <laughs> stickers. I would that'd probably be a sticker better than a t-shirt. But um, <laughs> okay. But uh, but their their search engine stinks like an upper decker. So I don't know. The best thing is to go to uhf62nd.com and go follow the links there. And uh, we will be back shortly with minute number 20.